Happy Sabbath to all. It's time to read the scripture reading on uh, Book of Isaiah 9, nine, nine verse uh, 6. Please open up your book to Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. I'm sure that all of you have Christmas memories. I remember when I was a child, of course, they brought me to see Santa Claus. And of course, as we grow and uh, we sometimes see the strings that go around and hold up the beard and uh, we kind of figure things out eventually that um, Santa, you know, is really mom and dad or uncles or cousins or um, <laughs> I see Philip's a little bit uh, <laughs> surprised at that. But and then we sometimes even grow a bit cynical and uh, some have wished that there wasn't any Christmas. But where did this come from? You know, where did December 25th come from? I hope to examine, you know, very briefly a few of these, a few of these questions. But Christmas is sometimes disappointing, is it not? I remember as a child, you know, we, you know, we had quite a few gifts actually, you know, growing up in a poverty stricken home, we still managed to have quite a few gifts. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they would break the, after the first day, they'd be gone or broken. And who as parents, you know, can appreciate this? You go and buy an expensive gift for a child and they play with the box that it comes in more than the toy itself. I'm sure some of you have had that experience. Um, some regard this as one of the most holy of religious holidays. But uh, did you realize that most, or I should say all, Christians in the New Testament, they did not celebrate the birthday of Jesus as an annual observance. In fact, as we read through our Bible, there is not even one command to say to observe Christmas as the observance, you know, to observe Christmas as Jesus' birthday. In fact, it doesn't even tell us when Jesus was born, but we know for sure that it was not December 25th. In fact, most Protestant churches did not begin celebrating Christmas until the 19th century. John Knox provided opposition as well as others. And he had an argument that he said that there's an appeal in Deuteronomy 4 and 12. Those portions of scriptures teach us that it's unlawful to add to or subtract from the worship which God has instituted in his word. Consequently, all religious ceremonies and institutions must have direct scriptural warrant if they are to be admitted as valid expressions of worship. 
this statement of the regulative principle of worship was a hallmark of the Scottish Reformation. He was trying to be true to God's word. And it's commonly objected that we may as well keep a day for the nativity as for the resurrection of Christ. We have answered already that Christ's day or the Lord's day is a day appointed for the remembrance of this nativity and all his action and benefits as well as the resurrection. You know, they had made arguments against keeping any other day holy than, well, their day was Sunday, of course. And so they said, all these things are celebrated every week. Why do we need another day? And there's no scriptural warning, uh, no scriptural uh, affirmation of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. As for the actual day, the New Testament provides no clues in, regard, in this regard. All it says in the days of Caesar Augustus and while Quirinius was governing Syria. That's all it says. It does not say any particular day. Sextus Julius Africanus popularized the idea that Jesus was born on December 25th in his Chronographiae, a reference book written in 221 AD. That is from Wikipedia on the subject of Christmas. However, Orthodox churches celebrate the birth of Jesus on January 6th or 7th. A little different than what um, many churches do today. And as we're speaking of many churches, uh, they do not celebrate. Many churches do not celebrate Christmas per se. They are content to abide in the apostles' doctrine. Acts 2, verse 42. Turn in your Bibles. where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. They were content to abide in the apostles' doctrine. That is, they were content to study God's word and to abide by it and to spend time breaking bread together. They also note Paul's warnings regarding religious holidays, and they value Jesus' warnings regarding the traditions of men. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the traditions of men. But now having said all of this, this does not demean the importance of the birth of Jesus. It has great significance for both Christians and non-Christians. It is something you should think about often, and certainly more than once a year. And, you know, so often the world, you know, they, they only think, you know, we Christians should spend more time thinking about the birth of Jesus than, than once a year, In the world will think about him once a year. And I've heard people say, oh, I only go to church on Christmas and Easter. And I always think, what's the point of that? 
Jesus has set up his weekly Sabbath. And he wants his children to worship him on the Sabbath day. Not just once or twice a year. He knows what is best for us and he knows the value can be found in praise and worship and in spending time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It is appropriate subject, even at Christmas time, just as sermons on thankfulness around Thanksgiving. Our mothers on Mother's Day, uh, you know, and we have to assume that the birth of Jesus is on the minds of many. Allow me to use this opportunity to review the significance of his birth. We, we, we note first its significance as prophesied. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear his son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1, 23. And chapter 3, verse 1, 23. And this was done. So all this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It would pretend the establishment of the kingdom of God. And as Brother Rex read to us, you shall call his name. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. How about Micah? Micah prophesied that he'd be born in Bethlehem. And this birth, would, this baby would give Israel a new ruler. His reign would not only bless, his, his reign would bless not only Israel, but even the ends of the earth. Micah, Micah chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Therefore, he shall give them up until that time. She who was in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be peace. The significance of Jesus' birth is that God dwelt among men and subsequently established his kingdom of reign that now reaches to the end of the earth. Everywhere we go, there are people who follow God. 
There are, he has his church in every kingdom. He has his faithful people everywhere. Even if it's hidden, they are there. And we should spend time praying for them. The church is even in places where they do not allow. If you have a Bible and you're caught with it, you're going to prison. And in some other places, if you're caught with it, they just shoot you on the spot. Pray for our brothers and sisters in those countries. Pray for them that they may maintain their faith. So Jesus came as promised. His birth and name, Jesus, signified salvation from sin. For you, for you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save them from their sins. You notice the word from and not in. Jesus wants to save you from sin. He came that you might be set free from the power of sin. And even all hell Against him, Jesus was victorious. Salvation from sin. If you're struggling with sin, no matter what it is, Jesus is greater than the problem. He can give you victory over it. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. But as Brother Phil brought out earlier, When we're tempted, we need to turn to one who has already gained the victory. He knows how to help when you're tempted because he was tempted in all points like as we are. And as John writes, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now some may think that they can't come to Jesus that they're too sinful, they've had too bad of a past. But remember, his blood he shed for the very worst of us. And his blood can make the vilest sinner clean. John the Baptist introduced Jesus in John 129 as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He made a promise to Mary that his birth and subsequent reign would fulfill the promise made to David. Let's turn there to Luke chapter 1. Verse 26. The angel was talking to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name, Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. When the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born of you will be called the Son of God. Jesus was to establish a kingdom promised by the prophets and the angels, but that he also came to save us from sin and its consequences. And those consequences is what? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. His angels proclaimed it to the shepherds. He proclaimed it to the shepherds. Do you ever wonder why it was the shepherds and not the high priest? You ever wonder why it was the shepherds and not the, the lawyers and the scribes and the Pharisees or the Sadducees? He pro they proclaimed it to the ones who were ready to receive. Is your heart ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you, in all honesty, say, this is I, my Lord, this is my God, waited for him, and he will save me? What did they offer? They offered goodwill, peace to all men, or peace to men of goodwill. The angels appeared to the shepherds. Today, we can read about it all in God's word. <laughs> we must open this up day by day. Apply its principles and the Lord will reveal to you more and more of his will. There was Simeon. You know, when Jesus came on the eighth day, they would result in giving light to the Gentiles and the glory to Israel. It would, be the it, it, it would also result in the fall and rising of many of Israel, along with the revealing of many hearts. And we could see the wickedness of many hearts along the way. The ones that accepted Jesus were they downtrodden, were they spit on, were they, I don't know what other word I can use, they were the hated ones of society. They were the poor, the ones looked down upon. They all rejoiced in the presence of Jesus. His message brought them hope. His message brought them life. But his message also revealed the heart that was going on in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those were the ones that rejected Jesus' message. Let us always Always turn to the word of God so that when the truth comes to us, we are ready and able and willing to receive it.
Anna. She's elderly widow. The Lord also revealed to her. Like many others, we're looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And she also spoke of how Jesus' birth had great significance for them. The significance of the birth of Jesus is that it made possible the establishment of the kingdom of God. Redemption and salvation from sin for both Jew and Gentile. And it also made possible peace and goodwill among men. When the gospel is received in the heart, it will bring peace. Forever the presence of Jesus is, there is peace, even though there may be trouble and turmoil around us. There can be peace. Example of this is when Stephen was stoned, God gave him peace. He says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he knew that everything would be all right. Of course, such things would not be possible without the subsequent suffering and death of Jesus on the cross. The cross is everything. In fact, Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. The cross of Calvary, preach it, teach it, sing it and it will break and melt hearts. The gospel of God is there, and it includes not only his birth. Oh, that mankind would think more of Jesus than just once a year of that lowly manger in Bethlehem. That mankind would think more about his life and his teachings and seeking to be like him. His resurrection and ascension of Christ to the right hand of God. Where he ever lives to make intercession. Where he is able to save to the uttermost those that come to him by faith. The worst among us can come to him. For Jesus said, he who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. His arms are open wide. Come to me, he says. Doesn't matter if you've been a drug addict. Doesn't matter if blood has stained your fingers. Doesn't matter if you walk the streets. Jesus says, come to me. He who has the Son has life. Let us this Christmas make sure there's room in our hearts for Jesus. Not just on Christmas, 
but on each day that passes. Each day that passes. So Jesus did not ask us to commemorate his birth. What he did ask us is to commemorate his death by celebrating the Lord's Supper. We find that disciples did that weekly, not annually. Each week they came together and they broke bread and they celebrated the Lord's death till he comes. And I also want you to consider the hope of glory. As it says there in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and he that hath this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. It is that blessed hope, the hope of seeing Jesus and being made like unto him. So as we contemplate the first advent, let us also consider the second. For without the first, of course, you cannot have the second. But what is more significant I believe it's the second advent, for that's truly when the kingdom of God will be firmly established. Shall put an end to suffering and death, pain and sorrow. Whenever one reflects on this first birth, on the Jesus birth, they should ask themselves, he came to be my Lord and Savior, to save me from sins and reign as king of my heart. But let me leave you with this question. Have I fulfilled the significance of his birth by responding to the significance of his death and resurrection and ultimately his return. Let us look forward to that great and glorious day when the clouds shall be rolled back as a scroll and the King of kings and Lord of lords shall descend with thousands and thousands and thousands of the angels tomb shall be opened and the ones who died in Christ shall be raised taken never more to die never more to suffer you're looking forward to seeing the king in his glory Heavenly Father dismiss us with your blessing and we pray that you will put a desire in our hearts to love you more, to walk in the light of your love and in your word, Father, 
May it truly be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Dismiss us with this blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name.